Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Two man car. Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez. Eddie will be on any minute now. A lot to talk about today. First of all, I want to start off with a prayer. Today's psalm at Holy Mass is Psalm 28. Beautiful psalm in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my prayer. Hear the sound of my pleading when I cry to you, lifting up my hands towards your holy shrine. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I find help. Then my heart exults with my song. I give him thanks. The Lord is the strength of his people, the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Feed them and carry them forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome to Jesus 911. Beautiful Monday morning. I want to talk about, before we get into our spiritual warfare, the liber crystal method, which again, by far, it is the superior method in the Catholic Church today uh, on how to heal and deliver people from the diabolical bar none. I want to talk about today, meanwhile, I'm waiting for my partner, Eddie. I want to talk about, oh, I want to talk about the torture and just for... Okay, all right, Eddie, welcome, brother. Eddie, I want to talk about the torture and abuse the D.C. officials have placed on January 6th prisoners in the D.C. gulag back on COVID. They're back on COVID lockdown, solitary confinement starting today. It is shameful what our country are doing to these prisoners, Eddie. It is shameful. The article says... The devastating reality of 23 hours per day solitary confinement is back for the January 6th political prisoners, and that's exactly what they are. Just because they were MAGA Trumpers, that's exactly why they're locked up. Today, the D.C. jail announced that the J6 Patriot pod would be on lockdown for refusing to submit to COVID testing. This lockdown status is a horrific recurring nightmare for many of the nearly 40 January 6th detainees surviving in the gulag here in the United States of America. <clears throat> in an exclusive statement, the Gateway Pundit obtained from J6 prisoners for 980 days without a trial. Can you believe that? Jake Lang, we learn <clears throat> what it was like living through nearly 20 months of solitary confinement and COVID lockdowns in prisons. He said, I can't believe we're back to this. It is truly the most inhumane way to treat people. Even a dog gets to go outside once a day. 23 hours locked in your cell alone every day has a severe effect on the human psyche and is considered cruel and unusual punishment by the Geneva Convention. It is a torture designed to crumble the resolve of even the strongest people. Without a relationship with Jesus, it would have broke me, close quote, says uh, Jake Lang, one of the prisoners. Jake continued, with the COVID lockdown comes a side order 
of evil and soul-crushing treatment. The short list of evil being done to us by our government is, and Eddie, can you share what, what the government's doing to these J6 prisoners? Well, just I don't have what you're looking at there, but you know what? This is, uh, this is, I don't, this is not even constitutional, Jess. This is something that needs to be uh, looked at by, uh, by some legal minds, some lawyers, and uh, the right uh, end of this has to come because it's not constitutional. They can't keep people in there as long as they, uh, as long as they like until the next election's over. Yeah, the, the, these are basically political prisoners because they were Trumpers and and, and uh, you know MAGA uh, MAGA devotees. Eddie, here's what it says: what they're doing to these uh, J six prisoners, and I want your comment. It says. They have no. They get. They've got no family visitation since they've been there, and guess what? In the Alley County Jail, where I work, that you get family visits every Sunday. They got second thing. J six. No lawyer meetings. That's unconstitutional. Uh, prisoners have the right to meet their lawyer. They get no haircuts. No going outside for fresh air. No cooking or showering regularly, and no religious services. That's what these guys are being succumbed to. It's enough to drive a sane person crazy and definitely no place to prepare for trial. Um, the Gateway Pundit readers, to help push back on this wicked injustice, you can make some phone calls to DC, to DC jail and the DC councilman, demand accountability to why humans are being treated worse than zoo animals and why unconstitutional cruel and unusual punishment is yet again being inflicted upon these patriots. And if you'd like to put out, if you'd like to help out the January 6th Patriot prisoners, please call these numbers below and respectfully demand this lockdown be stopped now. And uh, <clears throat> there's, uh, you can also donate to help these POW, these US POWs on the January 6th commissary fund by visiting it's givesendgo.com forward slash J6 commissary fund you can just go to vmpr.com vmpr.com you can go to that website or you can go to my website jesseromero.com and you can get a hold of this article and you can read it and you can see who you can call to and how you can donate to these j6 prisoners and you have you have any comments of the way we're treating these americans in our country you know just this is something that the geneva convention wouldn't even allow i mean you have certain rights that prisoners uh, and wartime are, are are given, and they're not even abiding by that. Just this is something that is meant to cancel the uh, MAGA Trumpers. This is something that they're doing that's unconstitutional. Uh, and Jess, and to be honest with you, it's sinful. It's sinful for these things to continue to go on. And um, it, it, it's something that uh, I'm not sure how we're going to stop it, but it needs to be stopped. And uh, in the uh, in the end, God's going to prevail, Jess. But until then, we have to suffer through it. That's just essentially what we're doing here. Amen. Yep. We know we know who wins at the end. And boy, oh boy, a lot of people are going to have a lot of, as they say, Eddie, splaining to do. <laughs> Gonna have a lot yes. of explaining to do. Yes, uh, you're right. You, you know, uh, also something interesting. Just there's kind of a Catholic twist to all of this. The word penitentiary. So it, it just goes to show you how Catholicism just affects pretty much everything. It's interesting to note that the word penitentiary, it comes from the word penitence, which is the abbreviated form. Uh, which is which is abbreviated penance. We usually say penance. Actually, the long way of saying it is penitence, but that's where the word penitentiary comes from. And so prison 
was supposed to be a time where, you know, convicted criminals would do external works of sacrifice to demonstrate that they were sorry for their crimes and sins. And uh, and it's, it's, it's very interesting just the way that Catholicism and even the whole ward of penitentiary, it just, it just, uh, uh, it flows from Catholic theology. And, and by the way, let's face it, the Bible does call us to penance in many places. Uh, and, uh, for our Protestant brothers, simply praying the sinner's prayer, that's a good start, but it's not enough. You've got to do penance and the definition of penance. I'm looking it up here at American Heritage Dictionary. It says penance is self mortification or devotion performed voluntarily to show sorrow for a sin or other wrongdoing. And, and, and Eddie, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of segments. The Whole Liber Crystal Method, Phase 2 specifically, the book that we've got, written by Dr. Dan Schneider, that's what it really is. It's a book that teaches a, a person who's diabolically afflicted how to perform acts of self-mortification voluntarily to show they're sorry for their sin and also to bring healing and deliverance. So it's funny, uh, the book that, that, uh, that we've, we're using for the show, it's, it really is a book on penance. Yeah, Jess, you know, one of the things, too, we have to remember is that the demons who come to play in this uh, scenario that we're talking about uh, want the people to suffer through this uh, this position they put them in, uh, this affliction. And just it's really essentially the same torture. They don't want them to be near their family. They don't want them to be near good things. The demons are doing the uh, same thing that yeah. the, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's our, what That is, our Jess. government's doing <laughs> That's it. They're doing it for the government. <laughs> That's terrible when you think about it that way. Yeah. It, oh, really, gosh. Yeah. Um, just, you know, at the very least, anybody listening to the show, say a prayer for the J6 prisoners. It, it would, it's got to be horrible. I mean, I'll tell you why, Eddie. I was on the verge of going. You know, uh, Jesus 911, you guys would have had somebody else hosting the show if, uh, if I would have gone. I mean, I was not going to do anything stupid. I was just going to go because uh, I wanted. Tr- I was voting for Trump, and I wanted him to win. And I was, I was centimeters from going. I was going to go. Uh, I was going to meet out there with uh, a couple of uh, other Catholic uh, radio talk show hosts. And I, I, I just, I got ill that week. Uh, was dealing with shingles and stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm not going. I, I can't go with my shingles over there. So I canceled at the last minute, but who knows? I could have been in that jail right now just for being there. Because again, they're trying to get high profile people if they, if, if they think that you're a threat to the government. And who knows, this this little podcast may have been a threat to them. Who knows? Yeah, Jess, you know, and, and nothing to say that you were going to go into the Capitol yourself if you had been there. You know, Catholics know the line, Jess. We know where the line is drawn. Yeah. And that would have that would have been beyond the line uh, according to our faith, we wouldn't have done that. We would have, might have been there, and they might have got you in custody because you are, there's a picture of you. But I don't think you'd go into the uh, into the Capitol and do some of the things those uh, those other shamans were doing. <laughs> nah, not at all. Yeah. All right, you're listening to Jesus 911. We're going to continue talking about uh, the liver crystal method of healing and deliverance from evil spirits. We're going to continue talking about renunciation of evil influences. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, helping people love God, save souls, and slay error. We're talking about the liver crystal method of healing and deliverance from evil spirits. Uh, it's a book written by Dr. Dan Schneider, forwarded by Father Chad Ripperger. So why did Father Chad Ripperger forward the book? Because it's, 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 they're his lectures. That's why. It's his, int, it's his intellectual property along with Kyle Clement. Uh, they've, been, they've been lecturing on, on, on this for years, on exorcism for years. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Dan Schneider was tasked with the assignment of putting some of the lectures into this book. I'll just go through it real quick so people are wondering. There's four phases. Father Chad Ripperger uses a four-phase protocol. It's kind of a medical model. <clears throat> Phase one, a person, he puts a person who's diabolically afflicted that comes to seek help, he puts them on an, an intensive 30-day prayer protocol. And that prayer protocol is found in the book. It's on page, it starts on page 309, excuse me, uh, 313. It's the prayer, the prayer regimen, phase one. If the person is still diabolically afflicted after phase one, 85%, Father Ripper says to 80, 85% of people that finish the 30-day prayer protocol self-deliver. Self-deliver from, from any diabolical affliction they may have had. In other words, because you brought order in, back into their intellect and into their will, and you've, and you've reoriented their life back to God. Now, if they're still afflicted, that's when we go into phase two. That's when you get a, 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 a team involved, a prayer team involved, or a deliverance team involved. The deliverance team is catechizing the person, and that's from, from day 30 to 60. And that's what we're going through right now in detail. Dan goes in, into detail the things that have to be done. Now, if the person after 60 days, or the person is still diabolically afflicted, then you move on to phase three. Uh, phase two is, is catechesis. It's, it's deep catechesis along with the prayer protocol continues. Phase three, they meet with the par their parish pastor because remember their parish pastor is like the general practitioner. The parish pastor has authority over them. Uh, and so a lot of priests, a lot of people like, like to go shop around for the other priest. It doesn't work that way. Every parish pastor has authority over their people. And so if you're, if you're shopping around for a priest to pray for you, you're not going to have much effect because that priest doesn't have spiritual authority over you. Canon law says a priest has authority over those people in his parish. Now, of course, a Catholic priest can pray for anybody and bless anybody, but it's not the same as your pastor doing it. That's phase three. The pastor's now going weekly confession. He's, he's giving you spiritual direction and he's doing minor exorcisms over you. Phase four... If you're still possessed, and by the way, by the time people get to phase three, 95% of people that are diabolically afflicted are healed. And so very few people get to phase four. Phase four is the actual rite of exorcism by a priest who has the mandate from the bishop. Sometimes that's required. Why? Because sometimes what you would call institutional possession requires an institutional response by the Catholic Church. And an institutional response is the priest mandated by the bishop to drive out the demon in the case of possession. Eddie, let's continue talking about the glossary of terms because we use these terms all the time and people probably don't know what they mean. I think we're back on page 22. If you can define to us what infestation is. Let me see. I, I'm at, uh, yeah, infestation. So 
Uh, this is extraordinary diabolical activity at, uh, on a location which may be as various as a house, a pet, a vehicle, object of art, etc. Usually indicative of a malefice or a, a curse. Uh, Jess, this is essentially a, a common topic that people always ask questions about. They usually say, um, uh, you know, can my pet be possessed? And the reality is a, a dog cannot be possessed, but it can have a demonic, it can display this demonic symptoms, which is uh, an infestation, essentially. That's right. Yep. And and again, uh, if they, when I think about infestation of a house, I think about like, uh, sometimes the Bible describes demons as flies. Imagine a house full of flies. Like you say, where did all these flies come from? Uh, to me, that's uh, you know that's that's a good physical way of understanding diabolic infestation of a house. It's full of these spiritual flies that are just nasty. Eddie, what does the word malefice mean? Malefice. Malefice is defined as the use of magical arts upon persons or objects with the intention of causing harm, sometimes even to do some good, although by evil means, uh, to another or uh, to his temporal goods by the intervention of a demon. So this is basically just uh, cursing an object, invoking a demon uh, so that they can uh, enter into it or uh, on it, over it, and uh, uh, manipulate it, essentially. That's basically what happens with a malefice. Yeah, so these are like the, the occult, again, just like they mimic Catholicism, we use sacramentals, they have anti-sacramentals, <laughs> they're, they're, and, and they're malefices, they use them with a malefice, they'll use a physical object with a curse, so they have their anti-sacramentals, which mimics the Catholic sacramental system. Eddie, what does necromancy mean? Necromancy. This is a form of spiritualism which attempts to get into communication with the spirits of the dead by invocation. Just what we see normally here, uh, the intent of a seance, let's say, for example, is to contact the spirit of a deceased person. Now, this is being requested by a family member uh, that wants to be in communication with somebody after they've passed. Um, and in order, and what happens is they establish some form of communication between what the family member believes is a living human being is the um, family member that they're trying to contact. Uh, in reality, it's going to be a demon that's posing <laughs> as the individual. And um, just this is dangerous because what happens is there's a communication between a demon and what somebody thinks is a loved one that's gone on to the, uh, uh, to, the to the next world. And that's dangerous when you start communicating like that. Yeah, as Catholics, there's a very clear understanding that we don't communicate with the dead. Again, like he said, because you could actually be talking to a demon and think you're, th you're, think you're talking to your grandma. Uh, that's not the way we Catholics communicate with the dead. We pray for the dead. And we also have a theology called the communion of saints, where we believe that our prayers, like if I say, St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for me and my family. I believe that he hear, he just heard that. Why do I believe that? Because he's connected to Jesus. He, all of us are connected to Jesus. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. St. Joseph is a branch. I'm a branch. St. Joseph is just a branch in heaven who's perfected. 
I'm a branch here on earth who's still not perfected, but both of us are both of us are connected to Jesus Christ the vine. So my prayer to St. Joseph, he hears me because we're connected to the same Jesus. It's only in Jesus, through Jesus, and with Jesus, and by his power that we're able to ask the saints in heaven, who are not dead, by the way, we're able to ask them to pray for us. We're not communicating with them like we're not talking. I'm not talking back and forth to St. Joseph and he's talking back to me. No, these are just prayers that we project uh, to this, the communion of saints because we as Catholics know, to, uh, Eddie, that there's a thin veil between life and death. And uh, and what connects those that on the other side and us is Jesus Christ. So all we have to do is look at the, uh, the incorruptibles. And if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, just take a look at the incorruptibles and see if they look like dead people. Because I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> some of these saints look like they just went to sleep yesterday. And uh, it's it's a beautiful Catholic doctrine, Jess. Um, and you can get it online. If you just Google uh, incorruptibles, there's several uh, of them. Essentially, uh, it's the same uh, uh, saints that we're talking about. Padre Pio, uh, St. John Vianney, uh, 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 there's other saints that you could see there that are intact uh, after they've dug them up after a thousand years, just let's say, for example. So that, yeah. it's a beautiful, uh, uh, it's a beautiful Catholic, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's just devotion. a beautiful Catholic thing. Yeah, it's a yeah, devotion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie and I, I just went a few, uh, a few weeks ago over to Kansas to see the nun that's mm -hmm. incorrupt. Yes. Is a black sister Wil Wilhelmina. She's a black yes. nun. Started started a traditional order out there. And uh, yeah, I was behind, you know, right behind glass. I'm a few inches away from her. I'm sticking my eyes and my nose right up against the glass. And she looks like she's just asleep, you know. And uh, it's it, this is something that defies science. And why? Because again, God wants to show people that the saints aren't dead. And so even in some instances, in over in over 200 instances, he's actually preserved their bodies so he can show people here on planet Earth, guess what? They're not dead. So, uh, Eddie, what does the word pact mean? Pact in relation to spiritual warfare. Pact is a signed document promising one's soul to the devil. A pseudo contract made with a devil or a demon. Just, you know, uh, I've only seen this a couple of times. Uh, people that make a pact. Uh, there's some ritual that they perform uh, during this uh, this signing, but what has to be done is they have to pronounce their uh, their baptismal vows. They have to go through the uh, Apostles' Creed and, and say the uh, the acts uh, of what we believe to be true uh, in in the in the creed. Because what's happening is they have to take that back. Whatever this is not the final word, just this, this the pact that people might sign uh, under the duress of a demon uh, is not the final word. Uh, so what has to be done here, I think, is that they have to uh, uh, use the uh, uh, the Apostles' Creed or their baptismal vows and renounce everything they've made. But by this time, just if somebody signs a pact, they are in trouble. That's for sure. Yeah, they're pretty deep into the occult when they do that. And so, yeah, to again, but don't believe a demon says, you've made a pact, you can't never get out of it. Of course you can. Sacrament of confession <clears throat> breaks the pact, sanctifying grace back in the soul. And then make a, a threefold renunciation of the pact you made. Just like Eddie said, the Apostles' Creed three times, and you can do the prayers that we pray uh, every every year. Twice twice in the Catholic Church during Easter, I think we do the prayers of the renunciation. You do those prayers, do them three times each, and, uh, and uh, commit to living again in a state of grace, and you're good to go. Don't think about it again. The devil wants to... 
harangue you and say, you made a pact, you belong to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Sa- Sacrament of confession breaks the pact and the threefold renunciation, uh, in prefer- preferably in front of the blessed sacrament, that would take care of it. <laughs> Eddie, what is the portal? Uh, what is the portal in, in spiritual warfare? of the Catholic Church in which rituals are done in order to open up a channel or an avenue by which demons can affect the surrounding areas. So the demon who is placed to ensure the security of the portal is called a portron. So essentially, Jess, this is a ritual that's performed in order to open a door. Uh, This is a problem with opening a door. And and we hear that a lot in spiritual warfare. So they might open the door. And uh, when they open the door, you have to be prepared to let whatever's on the other side of that door come in. Uh, normally, a demon is placed in the opening uh, of the of the uh, dimension uh, and acts as a security guard, ensuring the persons crossing uh, over into this new dimension are assigned a demon. That's uh, that's yeah, serious and, and, business. And they there. and they do that by invitation. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. uh, because the low information Catholic invited him and opened the door. All right, you're listening to Spiritual Warfare, Monday Spiritual Warfare. Stick around, don't go anywhere. Uh, We'll be right back. More Spiritual Warfare to come. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888. 526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, Monday Spiritual Warfare Program. Two retired cops, <clears throat> love the Lord, love Our Lady, faithful sons of the church, trying to help people uh, heal and deliver from the diabolical by giving them the proper catechesis. <clears throat> Eddie, we're talking about different terms that are used in spiritual warfare, and they're, they're important because they, they're, they're used a lot, but they're not common to most Catholics. Most Catholics don't hear of these terms in, in the catechism or, or in any, uh, even, even, even in the Baltimore catechism. So what does the word snare mean? Snare. Snare, you might think it's uh, something to get an animal trapped. This is what it says. Diabolical activity by which external circumstances or individuals are used to entrap a person spiritually or in the order of nature so it is a it is a a, a trap just it's it's used by some of these uh, demons and and it could be uh, something as simple as a game uh, just one of the games that we hear about a lot is is a Ouija board uh, now that shouldn't be a snare everybody knows exactly what that is but uh I think that uh, some of these games are not so clear as to what they do some of the games I've heard of are uh, uh, Charlie Charlie uh Doing the uh, the one with the uh, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, yeah, Shadow the yeah. Shadow Man. These things are snares that trap people into uh, spiritual activity, and this is a this is a danger. This is this is what the demons do. Just they're waiting for somebody to step in a trap so they can uh, 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 respond to that area and give them an opportunity to communicate with them, and that's the danger of it: is communicating with a demon. Absolutely. We should only be communicating with with uh, God, Our Lady, the saints, and angels, and uh, and and talking about you know a snare. It's it's actually the Bible warns us that that's the way demons operate. It's it says in Genesis chapter four verse seven, God is warning Adam and Eve about the devil, and it says this. It says, if you do what is right, 
will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So God describes sin like a leopard or like a tiger ready to pounce on Adam and Eve or, uh, or, or the sons of Adam and Eve. Uh, so it's sin is described as an animal, that, a predatory animal that's about to pounce on you. So that's, that's where the whole idea of, a, of a, you know, in spiritual warfare, uh, demons, uh, they try to snare us. It comes from Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Eddie, what does the word vex or vexation mean in relation to spiritual warfare? Vex or vexation is a ritual curse or spell done to cause harm to another person, to trouble, afflict, harass, or distress physically or psychologically. Uh, just when a person is vexed, they're already experiencing demonic symptoms. And so when somebody's uh, vexed, uh, they they begin to be uh, afflicted. They're, they're they're harassed by a demon. Uh, there's voices in their head. They can't get away from certain thoughts. And just this is what uh, a lot of people begin with uh, in their in their spiritual uh, deviation. You know, they they get this uh, uh, situation where they they're always uh, troubled by 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 certain thoughts. And it's very. Uh, you know, it's 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 very hurtful to see a person go through this because first of all, they did it for themselves, so yes, they did it. But then to see somebody suffering with this is is uh, very troubling sometimes, especially when they're young. Mm. Yeah, amen. Yep, and well, Eddie, uh, define witchcraft for us because this is very, this has become very prevalent as a result of. Just a whole Hollywood genre on witches, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and even starting off with Bewitched, which was kind of innocent back in the 70s. I was watching Bewitched, I remember. But Hollywood has had a series of, of movies about witches uh, up until Harry Potter, which they made into this uh, this huge box office hit. And, and all mm -hmm. this is meant to normalize witchcraft and make it look like, you know, kind of as American as apple pie. What's, what's witchcraft? Witchcraft is a form of black magic practiced uh, seeking the help of the devil and evil spirits. It includes casting spells, sorcery, enchantment, etc. Just one of the things, and you can help me out here, but one of the things that we uh, read about in the Bible is sorcery. Sorcery is derived from a, a, a form of a Hebrew, I think, Greek or Greek word just mm -hmm. called pharma, which is yeah. stands for pharmacy. So whenever we hear about sorcery in the Bible, we have to think about uh, the type of, of, of medication that essentially that somebody's given, either in a potion or a poison, uh, usually used by women seeking to end their pregnancy. The potions or the uh, poisons that were given to these women just caused them to have upset stomachs and to essentially to uh, to uh, uh, abort their child. That's the, the result of sorcery. Yeah, Eddie, you're spot on. Every time you see that word sorcery in the Bible, it is, it is a Greek word, pharmakeia. Pharmakeia is where you get that word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And so when you look at any <clears throat> look at any Old Testament um, commentary, it'll say um, uh, sorcerers used drugs, potions, and elixirs uh, to get people uh, to to be, to get involved in 
uh, ritual orgies, idolatry in front of pagan statues, but they would have to get them, they would have to get them under the influence first. I mean, if you just tell some people, hey, come over to my backyard, we're all going to get naked in front of a statue and we're all going to fornicate with each other, have a big orgy. Most people, even a, even a non-believer say, dude, I'm not going to go to your house. No, I'm not, no, me and my wife, we're not going to get naked, a bunch of, bunch of strangers. No, no, no. Even a secular person. But if you get people doped up and under the influence and out of their mind, it's not that difficult. And so this is, this is the context of the word sorcery in the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's a word that was used to indicate uh, the, the practice of giving people drugs so that they can, so that they can be involved in, um, in idolatry and in, in orgies, just exactly like the golden calf. That's exactly what uh, the diabolic wants people to do to uh, misuse their body and specifically mis and, and, and also to misuse your body and do it in an, in an idolatrous fashion. Also, Eddie, one thing about witchcraft, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed throughout the years is that witchcraft, it attracts people who want to be spiritual, people who want to know the future and people who want to lead others spiritually but they don't want to submit to God. So to me, like witchcraft, I call it spiritual prostitution. They want to be spiritual. They want to know the future. They want to help people. And they want to lead other, they want to lead other people spiritually, like be their directors, but they want to do all these things without submitting to God. So it's it just, it's just, again, it's a, it's a, a diabolical counterfeit of the, of the Catholic faith. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the way they do this is, is breaking the commandments essentially they uh they're uh they have to go against the teaching of the church and and their goal sometimes is sometimes sincere just they want to help people but you don't do that by seeking the dead you don't do that by knowing the future that's where you go wrong that's where they they take the turn absolutely eddie so all the things that we've talked about right now so would you say that they all open a door all the they all create an open door everything that we just talked about yeah, absolutely, Jesse. You know, the door is open. And, and like I said before, you know, when you you just think about it, when somebody opens a door, there's something on the other side. Uh, in spiritual warfare, we have no idea what's on the other side of that door. And so when you open it, it's 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 dangerous. It causes harm to yourself or others. And uh, yeah, I think all the things we've talked about up to this point, uh, they open a door and we just don't know what's on the other side. Yep. Um and the only door you should open is John chapter 10, verse 7, is the Jesus door. Jesus yeah. says, I am the I, door. That's yeah. the only door you yeah. can open and walk through and stay there. It's the Jesus door. Eddie Den writes here, these and other such activities create an open door, which is something that disposes an individual to a particular diabolic influence <clears throat> caused either by oneself, another, or the pure permissible will of God. Other definitions relevant to the discussion which helps secure our spiritual perimeter include the following. So, Eddie, what is a blessing? What does a blessing mean in relation to spiritual warfare? So blessing, statement and or action invoking divine favor upon a person, place, or object. It flows from one's relationship with God. It can be priestly, spousal, and lay. So these blessings normally just come from uh, are given by a priest, or it can also be given by a spouse uh, over uh, uh, the spouse of that 
person. I'm thinking about a man of a household, a father of a household, over uh, a wife and, and their children. Uh, or it can be given by a family member or a friend who is, is close to God, um, because we see that also in Scripture, Jess, where people are, are praying and they're... Uh, they're, they're, they're you know, like like Simon uh, when he was presented when Jesus was presented to him in the uh, in the temple he was filled with the Holy Spirit so you have people that are very holy and uh, and can give blessings right yeah yeah uh, Simon I think he was actually part of a uh, he, he was a priest I'd have to look. okay yeah. he was a Pharisee or, yeah he was a part of the priestly class but yeah. Um, even as lay people, you can bless each other. For There's a passage in the book of Ezra where, you know, Jews just walk by each other and say, uh, God bless you. And we do that as Americans as well. It's, that's fine. You As Americans, you know, we probably see people that you haven't seen in a while. And when you're leaving, you say, hey, God bless you. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. You see that G- Israelite upon uh, with, with an Israelite, when they encounter each other, that's what they'll say. That's where we, we Americans have taken that from. <laughs> but uh, if, a, a more powerful blessing is one when you lay hands on somebody. And so the a priest laying hands on you, that's why it's, it's good not to leave before the final blessing at Mass. The priest says, bow your heads down for a blessing. All Catholics at Mass should bow your head down. He raises his right hand in the air and he gives us a blessing. That's exactly what the Levite priest used to do in the Old Testament. And what does blessing do? The Hebrew word barakah, it not only calls down goodness and favor upon you, it also protects you. It's also a protective prayer from the diabolic. So don't ever leave Mass before getting the final blessing. That's part of your spiritual protection for the next seven days until you go back to Mass on Sunday. We'll be right back. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess and Eddie. <clears throat> We're talking about uh, all things spiritual warfare here on Mondays, the Liber Christum method, uh, the intellectual uh, lectures from Father Chad Ripperger put down on a book by Dr. Dan Schneider. The book is called Liber Cristo. It's called a manual of healing, a, a, a manual, uh, a field manual for spiritual combat. It's put on by 10 books. It's, this is a book that's practical because I'll tell you, the whole book is phase two. It's, it's getting a lay person who's part of a deliverance team and getting a person who's diabolically afflicted. You go through the 12 lessons in phase two and, and 85 to 90% of the people in phase one and phase two self-deliver from the diabolical. Because what you're doing is you're basically, you're taking them to the Lord's gym. You're taking them to the woodshed. You're saying, hey, man, you want to get rid of these demons? I'm going to help you, but it's gonna, you're going to have to put in the work. Eddie, as the gang members say in the street, what, what do they say about each other? They go, yeah, dude, that, that guy put in the work. He put in the work. You've heard that term in, in, in East L.A. Yeah, he put, gangs say about each other, you know, when, when they respect another gang member, they say, yeah, he put in the work. He put in the work. Well, that's the same thing with spiritual warfare. You want to get healed? You have to put in the work. <clears throat> Eddie, going back to uh, Simeon, I just looked it up right now. Just to come. Simeon was the high priest at the time of Christ during the second temple. So yeah, he had he definitely had spiritual authority. He was, he, he was the high priest. He was like the Pope back then. 
Uh, but going back to blessing, a blessing is the, the opposite of a curse. A blessing is asking asking God, a person asking for God to rain down his 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 his, his, his goodness, his his mercy, his his favor. Uh, his power is ab- upon a person, his protection upon a person. A curse is the exact opposite. A, a curse is asking a demon to bring down a, you know, a, a trouble and malediction and, and pain and suffering upon a person. <clears throat> and so uh, the difference between a blessing is a priest, when he blesses somebody, he can say, I, I bless you. I, as a father, I can say to Anita and my kids, you know, I bless you. I, I, but anybody else, <clears throat> if, uh, you know, th- if somebody goes, uh, uh, that's not under my immediate family construct, I would say, may the Lord, Hey, just, can you pray for me? Yeah, sure. May the Lord bless you and protect you. Amen. I just prayed for him, but notice what I did. I asked God to bless them because I don't have the authority to bless them. So when people come up to me after talks and say, Jess, I'm a heroin addict. I'm a drunk. I'm doing, I'm watching pornography every day. Can you pray for me? I say, yeah, I pray for you. I make the sign of the cross. I'll, I'll generally grab my sacramental that's on my chest and I'll point it towards them. And I'll say, may the Lord bless you and protect you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I'm holding my sacramental, I'll usually put it on their heart or on their shoulder or on their neck. And I'm not touching them. <clears throat> What's touching them? <clears throat> the sacramental. The sacramental's blessed. My hands are not blessed. The sacramental is blessed. My St. Benedict's medal, it's about three inches long that hangs down my neck. It's blessed. My hands aren't blessed. <clears throat> Eddie, uh, any comments on, on, on blessing? Or what? We'll move on to the next one. To remember, it's important to remember that uh, the laying on of hands is something we avoid in, in Catholicism, right? So, if you notice, just saying he had a sacramental. Well, for uh, yeah, for lay people, for for lay people, yeah, it's 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 a priestly uh, position. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because yeah. uh, if you put your hands on somebody with the intent of healing them from a demon, just that's a no-no. That's a big no-no. Because what happens there is there could be a transfer of uh, of a demon. Uh, yes. and, you know, people don't know that for sure. So that that's why we avoid it essentially. Yes, exactly, Eddie. It's just, it just very simple. If a person that's not under your family, a friend, say he comes over, hey, Daddy, can you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. Yeah, because sit down, we'll pray. I'll, and you'll do deprecatory prayers. Ask our Lord, our Lady, you know, his guardian angel to heal him and, 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 and liberate him. But you don't put your hand on his head. Why? Let's just say the person who's coming up to you and, and uh, you don't know his practices. He has a lot of unclean practices. Let's just say that he has a clinging spirit, as we talked about last week. He's not possessed. He just got a clinging spirit. <clears throat> well, guess what? You start putting your hands on him because you don't have holy orders. What's going to happen is the transference of spirits. Whatever spiritual baggage he has, you may now receive it as a result of putting your hands on him. That's why the church says, again, in the wisdom of the church, uh, St. Paul actually told Timothy, he says, don't be too quick to lay hands on another person. Now, this is an apostle telling a bishop. Think about this. St. Paul telling Bishop Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, hey, don't lay hands on people too quickly, too hastily. So this is even an, an, an apostle warning a bishop like, 
Hey, dude, hold your horses, okay? Don't be putting your hands on everybody because that's a, that's, that's a very sacred thing to do. And again, uh, it can open you up to diabolic retaliation. Imagine if you're like, hey, Rich Ramirez is a night stalker. You killed 40 women and you're a practicing Satanist. Come over here. I'll lay hands on you and I'll drive these demons out. Are you kidding me? No, it... it, it he, he he would have needed he's dead now he would have needed a lot of work to get liberated you're not going to just do it by having a a prayer group go over to his jail cell and lay hands on him and drive out hey richard you're set you're healed now you're liberated doesn't work that way Eddie. it just a lot it, it this is not as the father father and more says rest in peace he says many cat now he okay, i'm going to just say what he said he goes many catholic charismatics he said Look at healing like white magic. He says, they think that all I have to do is go to this one person that has a gift. And he says this one prayer and that's it. And I'm done. And I can go back and live the life I was living before the life of Riley. As long as I find that one person that's got the gift and that one prayer that he's going to do. And that's going to take care of my diabolical problems. Eddie, that's not Catholicism. That's white magic. That's, that's also described with individual that's lazy. They want to put the work in. Just they want to wait until somebody that has a gift crosses their path, or they want to go to another country and be in that person's uh, presence, and they want them to do something, uh, uh, some magic, some white magic <laughs> over them, and make bad things go away. Like you said, just it doesn't happen like that. We have to. If you do the the deed, you know whatever deed you did, you have to put the work in to correct that. That's what God what? wants from you. It's like That's Beretta it. said. It's Beretta. It's the Beretta theology. <laughs> you you you. If you don't, if you can't do the time, the don't do yeah. the crime. that's the whole point of liber crystal it's gonna take you're gonna have to do the time to liberate yourself the church is gonna help you the church has a protocol but you gotta do the time it isn't white magic eddie right no jason that's that's the impression a lot of people have and and we're here to you know just destroy that thought just you're not gonna go on the priest's burst bubble yeah exactly yeah yeah. So I mean, I know, think it's, it's, I think we get. I think we could get one more in, Eddie. What's chapter okay. three? Yeah. Chapter three is a slang reference to Title Twelve, Chapter Three of the Ritual Romana, also known as the Leonine Prayer against Satan and his fallen angels. Pope Leo the Thirteenth incorporated this prayer uh, into the Solemn Rite of Exorcism, which had previously contained Chapter One, the Prenatanda, uh, Chapter Two. The Solemn Exorcism, and uh, now by inclusion, Chapter 3, the above-mentioned prayer. By recent uh, proclamation from the Congregation for the Divine uh, the, the divine Faith, this prayer is now regulated and only available to priests for public use with Episcopal permission. That's from the bishop. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Chapter 3 is, is the final edition <clears throat> that's the latest addition to the rite of exorcism about probably about 150 years ago by Pope Leo the 13th uh chapter one and chapter two were written by uh saint saint charles bromeo one of the great uh fathers of the church uh, doctors of the church uh chapter one and two in 1614 chapter three was added like in 1870 something by Pope Leo the 13th so that's the full rite now and thanks to Pope Benedict the 16th 
is uh, priests are allowed to use the old rite, the 1614 rite with this edition with chapter 3. They don't have to use the new rite that I think came out in 1989. Most exorcists that I've talked to have said that the uh, the, the the new rite is like a, a 22 pistol. The old rite is like an AR-15. So there's no comparison when you talk to priests that have done both rites. Uh, Eddie, any final wrap-up comments? We've got about a minute or two to go. Yes, you know, this is something that people have to understand. Uh, we have to stay away from it. The best way to stay away from it is being in a state of grace. Because once you step into that realm, Jess, once somebody has a demon, it doesn't go away. And it doesn't go away easily. That's what this ministry has taught me to, to you know, stay straight. Because if you go sideways, um, bad things will happen. And, and, and uh, the demons are part of it, Jess. We have to stay away from that for sure. For sure. Eddie, when I when I ran a boxing gym in East LA for a youth for the for the sheriff's department, I had a big sign that said uh, on a big sign over the gym. It said, "No pain, no gain." It doesn't just apply to sports; it applies to the interior life, to the spiritual life. Once you've made the mistake and you've invited a demon into your life, that's painful. Well, with uh, without without pain, there's not going to be gain. To drive the demon out, it's like we've said it before. Getting out of shape is very easy. Getting in shape is very difficult. The same thing applies to the interior life. Inviting an evil spirit into your life, unfortunately, is pretty easy. Getting rid of it is very difficult. And uh, that's what we're here doing every single Monday. We're going through uh, the Liber Crystal Method. And, and we're, this is actually phase two, what we're going through. We're, we're, we're going through the glossary of terms. Next week, we'll start getting into the actual meat and potatoes, the 12 lessons that that uh, Father Ripperger has an exorcism team go through, the, the person who's afflicted. And it's it's 12 different things that you go through in 30 days. But I'll tell you, it's uh, it's it's the, the, the end results are incredible. Father Ripperger says 95% of people that go through phase one and phase two, 95% phase three, uh, self-deliver and are set free and liberated and back living in a state of grace. Uh, 5% of people actually uh, go to the final phase, phase four, which is the rite of exorcism, which is very rare. <laughs> Eddie, great show, brother. Yeah. This is a great topic for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we'll continue next week talking about more spiritual warfare next week. As for now, uh, Remember, St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful. God will hear your prayer. So, to retire Los Angeles cops, love our Lord, love our Lady, faithful sons of the church. We are EOW 107. End of watch. We're out. We'll see you next time. Up Thank next, you. Gary Machuda. <laughs>